I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians 6 and 1 Peter 5. We're going to read these two passages, and let's stand together as we read Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 14. The Bible says here, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. But by the way, I want, just want to add, that's a command. You're not going to become strong in the Lord by osmosis. It's not just going to happen. You're going to wake up one day and, you, yes, somebody might be praying for you and you might feel a spiritual rush of, of adrenaline, of spiritual adrenaline, and you might feel strong that particular day. But you will not maintain your strength in the Lord if you don't do something about it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Or in some versions it says, the wiles of the devil, his schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Now, we're going to leave it there because we're not taking apart the full armor of God today. Probably next week. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to mess with. Is that what it says? No. He's looking for someone to kill, destroy, eat, devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get with it. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to see what you want us to see today. That we don't have our spiritual eyes closed to the fact that because you're working and moving in our lives, that Satan isn't going to try to create havoc and devour us. Help us be alert, clear-minded, so we can see and be prepared and live a life of victory. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice this today. Two bullet points I want to give you before we jump right into the, to, to the answers to these things. First of all, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. It says it literally in, e, in Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's a real struggle. So the first thing I want you to notice is there is a spiritual battle always raging around us, near us, and against us. You are very naive. I would be very naive not to be aware of that. And to be real honest with you, when I first became a pastor, I, I lived in this naive state thinking 
that you know every Christian was gonna be for you every Christian was gonna have a spirit of forgiveness every Christian was gonna exhibit love uh, that every church was gonna want to go forward with Jesus and I, it perplexed me to see when churches would struggle and when people would would fight against the very direction of God and it would throw me for a loop because I just thought you know how can Christians want to oppose something like this and it occurred to me that first of all some of those people that you think are christians really aren't christians it's just real simple but it also reminded me and taught me through the word of god and over experience in time that that whenever god is working satan will resist he will always resist. He will always try to create havoc. He will always try to create, create confusion in your life, in my life, thereby discouraging us. So there is a spiritual battle. It's always raging. Paul called them principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Charles B. Williams translated, translates it like this. For our contest is not with human foes alone but with the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark world. That is, with the spirit forces of evil challenging us in the heavenly contest. This suggests a definite army of demonic creatures that assist Satan in his attacks against believers. The Apostle John hinted that one-third of the angels fell with Satan when he rebelled against God in Revelation 12, 4. And Daniel wrote that Satan's angels struggle against God's angels for control of the affairs of nations in Daniel chapter 10. So a spiritual battle is going on in this world and in the sphere of the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, as I like to call it. And you and I are a part of this battle. Knowing this makes walking in victory a vitally important thing for us and to God. Now, Satan has some abilities. The admonitions Paul gave indicate that Satan is a strong enemy and that we need the power of God to be able to stand against them. That's why the Bible says in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Not in your own power, not in your own intellect, not in your own wit or in your own abilities or in your own physical um, ability and, and, and mental acumen because you will be naked without the proper equipment spiritually. Never underestimate the power of Satan. He is not compared to a lion and a dragon just for fun. Have you ever seen a lion with your own eyes, not on television, but doing its work? We went on a mission trip to Africa, right, Jenny, to Kenya? And Teresa, remember that? Remember that safari, safari we went on? Remember there were little vans, little vans that they took us in the Savo National Park. And the cool thing about the vans is you stand up in them and you push and the roof comes off. It, it kinda, it, it's still attached to the vehicle, but it comes off. And, and so therefore when you're standing, you can look and you're uninhibited as to what you can see when you get around some of these animals. Yes, and several wanted to get out, and uh, one of them was me, but uh, uh, yeah, anyway. So, 
we stop at a rest area. Now, you have to understand that in Sidewall National Park, a rest area is not like a rest area on an interstate. Okay? It's pretty primitive. We stopped there. There were some bathrooms. And I remember our drivers. Our drivers used to say, hurry up, get in the van. Get in the van. And I never understood why hurry up, but I found out that day why. So we get out, we walk to the bathrooms, and our drivers are standing, one on this corner, one on that corner, and they're scanning the horizon. And they're scanning, and they're scanning. And as I get back to the van, I asked the missionary, I said, what are they doing? And he goes, uh, they've got our backside uh, looking for lions. I went, we stopped at a rest area in the middle of lion country? And he goes, duh. I said, why don't they put a fence around these, this thing? Anyway, so one of our drivers, he was like, I could, I could tell he was doing something. And then we get in the van, and he starts talking in Swahili. And I said, what's he saying, Jim? And he said, he can smell a kill. I looked, I said, count everybody in here. <laughs> can smell a kill. Yes, that means there's a lion close by. And sure enough, he took off and he went in that direction. Man, we abandoned the road, just going. And there he was under this little juniper tree or whatever it was. And there was a rib cage, blood everywhere. And that lion... His stomach was about that big. Big old male lion. Now, in Sable National Park, they don't have the gorgeous big old manes, but their manes are, are, are smaller. And But he was... <laughs> so I stick my head up. Hey, we came all the way from Newberry to see you, man. Uh, get up, do something. And man, I got fussed for saying that. I said, you must leave the animals in their natural state and don't bother them. I said, well, y'all shouldn't have invited me to come. Anyway... <clears throat> The idea of seeing a lion in the wild was like a romantic thing to me. But when I saw, now I didn't see him catch it, and I didn't see him devour it, but I saw the aftermath of it. And I was like, I got my head up for a while saying that, and then he did that and showed us his mouth, and I went, mm, close the top. You realize the awesome power of these animals and the bible says that satan is like that he's like a wild lion just roaming around looking looking who he can get after so we're not to be ignorant of his devices of how satan works the bible says he masquerades himself as an angel of light in second corinthians eleven fourteen, seeks to blind men's minds to the truth of god's word the fact that Paul uses the word wrestle indicates that we are involved in a hand-to-hand -hand battle. If you wake up every morning and you go into battle without the proper armor, without the proper weapons, you're going to get eviscerated. And that's what happens to most of us when we live our lives. We walk out completely unprepared and unaware of the battle that's raging around us spiritually satan hates us he wants to devour us he wants to use whoever he can whatever he can whatever circumstance he can to crush you and me and to devour us and yet we seem to not take it seriously it's a hand-to-hand -hand battle and we're not just mere spectators at a game Satan wants to use our external enemy, the world, and our internal enemy, the flesh, to defeat us, and his weapons and battle plans are very formidable. So, there is 
a spiritual battle always raging around us, near us, and against us. And Satan's aim is not just to mess with you or with us, but to devour us. And we read it in 1 Peter 5, 8. So what about this struggle that's real? Well, let's look at the solution. What is the solution? The solution to the fact that Satan is powerful and he wants to destroy us. What is it? Number one, let me give them to you, and I'm going to give them to you right out of the Scripture here. The solution is obedience, and in that, number one, we're to humble ourselves by casting all of our anxiety on Him. We're to humble ourselves by casting all of our anxiety, anxiety on Him. It says in verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time, and cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you one of the things that satan uses or two of the things is our pride and our anxiety pride look at what you did look how awesome you are look how much better you are than them your heart is always pure you're always doing it for the right reason your kids are better than their kids see satan wants to fill you with pride so that you cannot see your need for god and the bible says we're just dust the bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of god but man is filled with pride and that's why man always wants, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, you know, the perfect number of God is seven, but the number of man is six. And so when the Antichrist appears in the day that he appears and he comes, and that's why the, num- the, the, the number of the beast is 666. Whenever you say something in Hebrew three times, it, it has powerful meaning. It has great emphasis. And so man 666, trying to be God, but he can never be a seven. Man will always be a six by himself and so the first thing we've got to do is we got to humble humble ourselves and realize there is a god and you're not it and i'm not it second thing we need to realize about about being humble not only is that there there is a god and we're not it but listen the world doesn't just revolve around you guys this is very depressing what i'm about to say but it's but i believe it's so true and 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 i've seen it And listen, your family will love you and they'll never forget you while they're living, but you're only a couple of generations away from never being known ever again. I'm a historian and I love history. This is sad. And I can tell you the names of people I've never met before, but I cannot tell you right now my great-grandparents' names. They, they all died before I lived. They never were a part of my life. You say, gosh, that's depressing. No, the thing we have to realize is that the world doesn't revolve just around you. And let me just tell you something else. You die, something happens to you. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just saying, yes, a lot of people will be hurt and it'll affect a lot of people. But you know what, the, you know what happens to the world when you, when you die, when people die? The world keeps going doesn't revolve around you or me so as christians we have to understand that we belong to god and god has a plan for us and god wants to use us for his kingdom and in eternity we will have treasures that will be uh, saved that will be put there because of what we did with our christianity on earth so we're to live 
on earth today knowing that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, try to take as many people with us as possible. That's where legacy comes in. And so the Bible says, humble yourself, and then we're to do it by casting all of our anxiety on him. That's the other area Satan gets at us, not just our pride, but our, our worries, our anxieties. And we keep our anxieties because we think we're the masters of our own destiny, and we've got to fix everything. Do you realize that if you think you've got to fix everything, you're going to be a miserable person all of your life? You'll never enjoy Saturday afternoons, Right? I know, I know, I do it too. That's why you get mad at the television when, when, when you can't make your team do what you want them to do. You're not in control of that. You have anxieties about all kinds of things. Just this week, I had some serious situations that caused me anxiety. And you know what I had to do? At some point during the day, and even before I went to bed at night, I, I didn't just, here, here, God, you can have my anxiety. I took that whole truckload of anxiety, and I went, phew, and I cast it on him. Dumped it on him. That's what the Bible says. Cast it all on him. Cast it. Throw it to him and give it to him. Humble yourself by casting all your anxiety on him. That's the first solution. Uh, in obedience number two be on alert spiritually and have a sober mind be on alert spiritually and have a sober mind i mentioned earlier that it's like hand-to-hand combat so many christians struggle every day with some things and the struggle is real but they're overcome and defeated by it because they're not spiritually alert and they're not prepared for the battle. And then the Bible says to have a sober mind. So you you got to be on alert, man. I want to see how many of you have ever been deer hunting. Put your hand up. I want to see you. Now, I didn't ask if you killed one. How many of you have gone sad? Okay. Hmm. You ever see a deer walk in where you're hunting and they come in the sight and oh, they're spooked out about something, right? You ever see that? They do that stomping on the front. I love watching, a lot of the does will do it, a lot of the older does, and I love watching them because they, they either caught a whiff of you and they can't pinpoint where you are. Something else they saw. There's something going on. Something has got her attention. And here's the thing. Here's what they do. I swear deer have eyes on the back of their head. I mean, there was a doe one time, and I saw a buck coming in, and I was getting ready to position myself, and you couldn't hear me move at all. That's how quiet I was. And she, her back was to me, and she was looking down, and I mean, I, I did this. I went, I just did, and when I did that, she did like, now you know, you know deer are like, man, they're like, like the exorcist. They could turn their head, you know. She, she turned and looked straight at me in the tree, and then she blew 
You ever had a deer blow at you? That deer was on alert. And though I didn't think I was making a sound or something, she saw something and it, it directed her. And she got on out of there. And guess where the buck went? With her. <laughs> the point that I'm making is that you watch the animal world, how alert they are. Because they know that there are things out there that will come to devour them. It's amazing. You watch an antelope in Africa at a body of water. Well, first of all, there's something in that water like a crocodile that could eat me alive right here. But I got a drink. I'm out in the open. I could be singled out by a pride of lions. And man, it looks like they're drinking water and they ain't having fun whatsoever. <laughs> and it's because they're on alert constantly. And the problem is, spiritually, we're not alert and we get slapped in the face by something that Satan does. And then, listen, and here's what happens. Because we're not ready, not only does it defeat us, but sometimes we get used of Satan in the process. And then the Bible says to have a sober mind. <laughs> He's in the building today. I had a man years ago come see me. And uh, he, uh, he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's that? He said, uh, I'm, I'm having a struggle here in my family, and we're trying to come to, to a conclusion. I said, okay, what is it? He goes, man, I like to smoke marijuana. I'm looking at his eyes. Did you smoke before you came in here? I'm looking at him. No, no, I'm fine. He goes, and the way I justify it is, it's natural, it comes from, the, from plants and all of that. Uh, I say, yeah, cocaine comes from plants too. Uh, poison ivy's a plant. You don't eat that, do you, or smoke that, huh? And he goes, well, you know, isn't it natural and good for you? I said, listen, here's what it does to you. It messes with your mental faculties, and you're not sober anymore. You have to have a sober mind. I don't know if you think like this, but I think like this. Listen, if I have to take something at night like a, um, um, an Advil PM, think of, or Motrin PM, think of Motrin. The little blue ones, you know? You ever take one of those, I take one of those, I'm out for three days. So I cut it in half. But, you know, when I do take one, if I need it, you know, if I'm hurting or what have you, and I need to see. So when I do take one, I'm like, I'm taking one, and I'm like, Penny, you know if we get a ministry call that I got to go out in the middle of the night, I can't go because I'm not, not going to be sober-minded. I take that, man, it's like I'm on morphine or something. <laughs> no, and it doesn't. So point I'm making to you is this. You can, you can justify whatever you want, how you want. But when you get inebriated, you allow drugs, alcohol, whatever, to get into your system to so-called calm you down, you automatically bring your defenses down. And your alert system, spiritually, is covered up. And you put yourself at risk. So the Bible says, be on alert. And have a sober mind. <laughs> anyway, all right. Number three, 
The solution is obedience. Number three, I'll give you this and give them to you quick. We must resist them by standing firm in the faith and putting on the whole armor of God every day. So 1 Peter 5, 9 says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. And then he says, because you know your family, your family members, Christians throughout the world are undergoing the same sufferings that you're going through. But we've got to resist them. That's something, that's an action you take. You have to resist them. And so you resist him by bringing every thought into captivity, the Bible says, unto the obedience of Christ. So men, those of you who struggle with lust, you struggle with, you know, when you see someone out there, a female, and your head wants to break and you almost wreck in front of you because you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, you have to train yourself to resist Satan. And when that temptation comes to you, you haven't sinned yet, but all of a sudden begin to train your mind and your heart that you can't go there. I'm 55 years old. You know what I do to overcome those things? I say, number one, that could be my daughter. What a pervert I would be, right? I mean, I'm just being honest. Number two, I love my wife, and I made a commitment to her on the day that we got married that my eyes, my heart, my mind would be only for her. Men, you know what I'm talking about. And so to resist is to fill your heart with Scripture, to start your, your day off with God, to start putting on the armor of God in your heart, piece by piece in your life, by being faithful, by studying the Word, by praying and receiving strength from Him, and be alert and sober-minded. And when that temptation comes, you'll recognize it right away, and you'll be able to take corrective action immediately before you ever get into sin. That's called resisting the devil and you stand firm in the face saying i'm a man of god i'm not going to let my heart go there i'm not going to let my heart be dirty and defiled by a thought process in my mind because i want to live for god and have a clean heart and clean mind that's how you do it it's not always easy but if it were easy everybody would do it but you have to resist and you have to stand firm in the faith putting on the whole armor of god every day same thing for you ladies, when you want to worry about things you can't control and you want to micromanage your adult children. You know, I learned this a long time ago. If we're going to get them a driver's license and we're going to let them go somewhere, if I'm going to spend the rest of my night on pins and needles worrying like something you know, like, like somebody that's going crazy, I'll never enjoy the rest of my life. And it took a few times to get that right. You put them in the hands of God. Number four, the solution is obedience. Do not let him get a foothold in your life. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says this. Do not let him get a foothold in your life, meaning Satan. In your anger, do not sin. Now notice that, that phrase. You ever realize that? There is anger without sin. As a matter of fact, I almost look at it as a command in some ways that, that if, there are some, if, if, if there are things that don't get you angry, I'm concerned about you. Holy and righteous anger. Drunk driver kills a whole family. That ought to anger you, right? Things like that. So in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
Do not let the sun go down while, while you're so angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. I do a lot of fishing, and especially when you're fishing freshwater lakes around this part of Florida. We got a lot of eagles now. I don't know if you know that, but we got a lot of eagles around here. And a lot of ospreys. We always had ospreys, but, but the eagles. And the other, I said the other day, two weeks ago, I was speck fishing. And I was having a hard time catching them. And I was out in open water because that's where most of them were at. And I saw two eagles. They were circling over me and around me and just in front of me. And all of a sudden I could see one the way his wings went. And I was like, oh, he's, he's locked in. Got those talons. And it was a good speck. And I, went, I texted Penny. I said, the eagles are catching more fish than me. <laughs> so I put my boat on a beeline. And this is no joke. Finally got there within five minutes, and I caught two fish right in that same area that eagle was fishing. He got a foothold on that fish. I saw, it was close enough. I could see, I could see the fish's mouth open. I'm like, you're done for, buddy. <laughs> Toast. You're done. He got you. Mm -mm. Death grip. And when we allow Satan to get a foothold in our life, that's what it is. It's a stronghold. And then from there, he can launch attacks from behind our territory at us. Don't let him use your anger to get that. And then one last thing I want to leave you with. Jesus is greater in you than the enemy around you. Always remember this. Jesus is greater in you than the enemy around you. You can overcome him, the enemy, through Christ. You can overcome him through Christ. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is the prince and the power of the air and of the world? Satan. Greater is Christ within you than he who's in the world so here's the point satan though he's powerful and strong is not more powerful than jesus christ and as a matter of fact he's not more po more powerful than jesus living within you that you because of christ you have the power of god in you to overcome and you don't need to let satan have his way in your heart look at philippians 4 13 the tim tebow verse it was there long before Tim Tebow, but we all know he used to wear it across his eyes. He gave, gave great publicity to that verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And the NIV should capitalize him. Anyway, I'm just saying. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. And then one last thing. I want you to notice Revelation 12. Ooh. Look at this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who is that? Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before... Hold on, go back. 
sure we got that right? Here, let me read it. Never mind. Maybe it is right, but. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That's a verse we need to read in the times of COVID, right? How did they overcome Satan and what he did to them? They overcame him. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. They gave their lives to Christ and allowed Christ to wash them clean and make them pure, okay? So that's everybody who gets saved. And by the word of their testimony. I'll tell you, one of the ways that you can overcome Satan is to obey God, is to not only get saved, but now all of a sudden take the word of God, take the truth of God, and start applying it to your life and be obedient. Then Satan can't get a foothold into your heart and into your life. And then it says, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Again, I don't want to repeat all this over and over and over every Sunday. COVID is real. It, it, it's killed a lot of people. But when, but when you compare it to a lot of the other viruses and all of that, it's a 99, I, I read this today, CDC, uh, uh, yesterday, CDC, 99.6 percent survival rate and people in some ways have lost their minds because they're scared to die with COVID or from COVID I don't want it none of us want it but it shouldn't be the all-consuming thing because there are things we engage in every day that have a higher probability of us dying from driving a vehicle and all i'm saying is that according to the scripture these people who in in the book of revelation these saints who were alive during the tribulation these who are going to be alive during the tribulation and john was foreseeing this he was seeing this as it was going to take place in the future they overcame Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, they overcame him because they lived a clean and godly life. And they overcame him because they weren't afraid to die. They weren't afraid of death. They were willing to do whatever God told them to do in spite of what the dangers were. It's that simple. And so Satan wants to get us cowering in fear so that we become useless. For the kingdom of God. You can always find a fear that will keep you from doing something. So Jesus is greater in you than the enemy around you, and you can overcome him through Christ. When I went to the pastor's conference last month up in Gatlinburg, a lot of statements were made, but one of the statements that was made that really caught my attention, I really, really thought about And they said this, it's time for the church to wake up out of the COVID slumber. And what they were saying was that COVID is an adversary just like anything else. 
And it's time for Christians to quit using the adversary as an excuse as to why we don't serve him. As to why we don't do what we need to do. And COVID is just one of millions of adversaries that we face in life. So the thing I want you to keep in mind is that where God is moving, don't be surprised to see Satan working behind the scenes, but always remember, Jesus wins, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You have to stand firm. You have to obey. You and I have to be a alert we have to be of sober-mindedness we have to pour ourselves into the word of god this has got to mean something to us our spiritual care has to has to mean something to you and me and we got to be willing to engage in the battle because if you don't engage you know if you notice you know i i, I preach the whole sermon and series a while back on the armor of god been a couple of years ago but but all the armor is forward facing there's no protection for the back because you're not running away you're you're moving forward think about the hymns the hymn one of the hymns we used to sing we used to sing this with pride and when i say pride not ungodly pride but with christian uh joy you know Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Onward, Christian soldiers. But instead, we're acting like we're cannon fodder for the enemy. And we don't have to be that. And as Joshua said in the Old Testament, you decide whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my personal spirit, I'm, I'm going to fight to my last breath spiritually to live right before the Lord. Aren't you tired of being defeated? Huh? Aren't you tired of losing these spiritual battles? It's time to win. The battle's already been won. The war has been won, and, and there are battles along the way, but, but you have the weaponry to overcome him. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not cornal. They're not fleshly. They're not earthly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're mighty in Christ for pulling down the strongholds in your life. What is it? What's that sin that so easily besets you and discourages you and has overcome your life? Creating problems in your marriage, creating problems in your relationships, creating problems in your own spirit. You don't, you don't have to be overcome by it. It's up to you. God's done his part, and he will continue to do his part. And you can choose to let Satan eviscerate you, or you can stand up. That's what the scriptures say. Stand firm and be the Christian God's called you to be.
It's a battle. But he's equipped us. Join the fight, would you? Let's stand together, everybody. Lord, we are grateful that we have your word and we're not alone in this battle. I know the enemy is doing everything he can to disrupt, devour, destroy, decapitate, kill, murder, ruin. But God, your word has given us the answer. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now with our heads bowed, maybe you have found yourself in a situation that Sister Shelby was in where she struggled with where she stood with the Lord and she finally got peace with that last week by giving her life to Christ and gloriously was baptized today. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Her life isn't going to be perfect, she'll tell you that, but it's going to be different for her. Just like it is for every Christian and just like it can be for you. Don't go another minute, another second, another day fighting that. Humble yourself before God today. Get the victory through Him. Receive Christ as your Savior. And then for those of you who are already Christians, you're fighting the wrong battle. Not against people. You know where it's at. We just laid it out. Let God have His way in your life. Come to this altar. Settle it for once. Become a soldier in the army of God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.